Music, music, music. We haven't heard that line for a terribly long time. And for the last time in 2023 and the first time in 2024. Um, It's music, music, music. It's Tripping Balls. It's Doc. It's Bezo. And it's our album of the year special from 2023. Well, I was going to say it's been the strongest year for um, the worst album of the year. Like, there was three <laughs> genuine contenders this year, I would have to say. And I didn't listen to the Madness album, so maybe there was four. There uh, was four. <laughs> there was four. Um, yeah. I was just going through the list book this morning, like, just sort of... I, re- I really, really, really flipped about a million times on my two to five this year for different reasons than normal, actually. Um but I was like, oh, man, this was the worst album of the year. Oh, fuck, I forgot about this one. This was the worst album of the year. There, uh, was some, think- there was some steaming number twos. What I found about this year was that I had 30 top 20 albums and I had 20 top 10 albums, but that was where it got a bit tricky, was figuring out where the top five lives. Um, lives yeah. in that. And that was a real struggle I had. Was like, and, and it's not that these albums are bad. It was that there wasn't that head and shoulders... Um, no. There were like Bob Villain and the Bobby Lees last year were both were our both of our albums no. first and second, uh, and it was very clear for an extremely long time last year that those were going to be one first and second uh, in our album of the year. This year, it's it's kind of felt a lot more up for grabs. My number one this year would definitely be a three or four in another year, uh, but I would say there was a lot of really. Good albums, like yes, not great albums, but really good albums. Yeah, like um, I said, th- there was at least thirty albums that could have been in my top twenty. So that that's like the top the top fifth because we did, we've done we did about one hundred and eight albums this year, including all of the Bring Out Your Deads, which you might have a bit of time to run through at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, it was it th- there was a lot of really good stuff, but the amount of truly great stuff was uh, was a little bit harder to dig out. I'm not going to say that wasn't there, but, you know, it was harder to find. It's less, less self-evident. I think I sort of settled on, like, I had a clear number one. I, I was pretty pretty sort of set on that. And even going back and listening to it over the last week, uh, it never really shifted off it, I think. You really like um, that Madness album, huh? <laughs> and, and, and for, like... I, we always say we, well, I wait a little bit more for personal enjoyment, right? You know, I understand a great out like um, that well, Bob Dylan album. Hammock season is built for that. It's it's meant. It's always going to. It's always going to judge. It's always going to wait more positively towards stuff that makes you feel good. And we don't really yeah. make any apology for that because if music doesn't make you feel good, if it doesn't make you happy, what the fuck are we doing this for? And the the two albums last year were sort of dual threats, right? They fulfilled that enjoyment um, side of my brain. But yep. also, if you just looked at them ob- objectively as a piece of art, yep. I, just, I just don't think you can argue that those two albums were, like, great albums. Like, really, really yeah, cracking they albums. Moved you, they moved you as pieces of art. Both the Bobby Lee's um, uh, Bellevue my, and uh, Bob Villain's The Price of Life. My sort of three, four, five this year, I think you could definitely have that argument with me. Um, and I probably wouldn't even just, and you probably will have that argument with me. But uh, just 
it's just pure like it came down to I really like listening re-listening and listening to these albums so it's all about that hammock time even if your hammock gets blown away in a tornado of some description yeah so who's going to go first well as in previous years we'll we'll run through five four three two um, also mentioned in dispatches and then one shall we yeah I'm more than happy to go first Um, lead away so my number five album for 2023 is Divine Machines by D-Mob Happy. Now, this album is by a band who I loved their 2018 album. That was my album of the year. And this is a much more flawed album, but it's still interesting. This grew on me. I w- this was like an outside top 10 album, and it just kind of competed its way into the five. Conceptually, it's like a COVID-era Pink Floyd dissertation on the failings of government and the failings of society and and the challenges and all that sort of stuff. It's proggier and, you know, shall we say musier. There are album there are tracks on here that probably should have been, you know, quietly, you know, forgotten about, perhaps. Um, but there's still bangers present and correct um, all through the album. And it's fair as comparison, you know, is, is there are there are quite a few albums of this style and genre that were released across the year from the Queens of the Stone Age to Royal Blood to Tiger Cub. Um, but yeah, there was. This is an album to spend in lockdown with the curtains drawn, necking clean skin red, and listening to Pink Floyd. Um, and while that's not really what, I, not really my vibe, I respect the hell out of how deep, how deeply they went for it. So, that, so that's my um, my album number five for this year is Divine Machines by D Mob Happy. Have I talked long enough to fit the audio bed in? I certainly hope so. Uh, didn't make my long list, so I don't have too much. I actually think we're going to have very little crossover this year. Maybe only. I don't think this is going to be a good crossover year. No, no. I think I think that's good. Might there might be one. There's one candidate for a crossover, but I think that's about it. Um, Madness. Madness. Yes. I think we've got. I think we've got pretty solid crossover on the worst albums of the year. Do you think that it's a uh, like? you're happy with the direction that they're going from the first album to this album? Like, do you think, or is it, or is it going to be like no. a raw, raw blood, no, I'm not. a raw blood sort of, you well, keep getting away from what I like? Well, the thing is though, that, that, that it's hard to, it's hard to be upset with any band's direction after COVID. Like I was, I was really happy with the direction from the first album to the second album, but the first album was 2015. The second album was 2018. It's been five years yeah. since they recorded. This is a, this is like an album of an, an album made by survivors, and you can really feel that in the in the music. They're like, we've been through some shit, and it wasn't just shit that we went through. The entire fucking nation of Britain went through this shit because we were led by absolute morons who trusted it, trusted in bullshit science, voodoo science, uh, about you know, pretty much that Swedish model of, of how to try to deal with COVID. Ah, oh, fuck it, you know, you'll all be fine. Let's get as many people infected as possible, kind of thing. Um, and, and get herd immunity to save the day. Uh, so I, I, I'm willing to hear them out for their next thing. Uh, it's kind of it, it, it's a placeholder. I suspect their next album could be another absolute banger because I really do like these guys. Okay, my number five is Black Puma's Chronicles of a Diamond. Um, I, I sort of when we first reviewed this, I think like competent was my. Uh, feeling of it uh, like just just a really solid uh, a, a really solid effort but 
it's been the album that I've probably just thrown on in the, you know, in the car or, you know, if we've got people around and I just, you know, want something that's not going to probably stretch them a little bit too much. And it's just really wormed into my brain. It's just a, an yeah. album that I enjoy. And I just think that the, the music is really fucking good. Um, like in terms of the, the playing of the, 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 the instruments, it's, it's, I don't, I don't really like if you like this stuff it's just a really good version of it it's not it's not an amazing album like it's not there's nothing in it that's going to make you go holy shit no one else could do this i think there are other bands that could do an album like this um it's probably not too dissimilar to a like like a late era black keys album you know that they know what they're good at and they, they just go out and do it you know do it really well um but yeah, probably I, I, a bit more kind I, of Latin funk jazz flourishes. I would have thought um, compared to Black Keys. Yeah, yeah. In, in terms of in terms of, of of being able to just like really good musicians being able to produce something that they know really well, it, it, like you know, there's no real weak spots in the album. Like there, there's some songs that uh, are, are not as memorable, but I wouldn't say like. It just feels like competence <laughs> from start to finish, I guess. And, and that's sort of damning with faint Sorry. praise. But it's sort of damning with faint praise to say that. But I think that because I really like their style of music, it's like, well, hey, I, I, can, I, w- I would like to listen to a lot of those songs. What I remember of this when we reviewed it, and it would have been in November, I think, um, was that we did it the same week as some other bands that were much were in genres that are much more my kind of areas but this was the album I kind of came back to at the end of the week because it was an album that worked as an album and it just sort of grew it, like you weren't sitting around picking out oh that track's great oh that track's great but the general vibe of it just kind of felt warm and, and really well worked out and I can absolutely see how this would be an album that Hammock Time would uh the hammock time multiplier effect would definitely uh, would definitely benefit from. Yeah. All right. What do you got for number four? Number four, I have a special guest from our Bring Out Your Dead week. I have Zartificial Intelligence from Zarface. <laughs> because <laughs> I love these guys. I just do. Um, I think this is their best. So this is their second album. I mean... MF Doom wasn't part of Zarface, but he'd collaborated with them a couple of times and their collaboration with Doom had been the biggest thing that they'd ever done in terms of plays, largely because it was... Yeah, he sort, of, he, he sort of lent them some weight, I guess. Well, it, it was because their vibe and his vibe matched, in, like, immaculately. They absolutely had the same um, vibe and worldview. Uh, this is probably the best Doomless... LP they've done since probably the very first thing that they did as Zarface, which Zarface is Inspector Deck from from Wu Tang. It's like one of the one of the secondary characters from the Wu Tang universe, um, and then um, Esoteric, who's an MC, and uh, I want to say L Seven, and that's not right. What's his name? Seven L. <laughs> L7, different kind of act. Might, ch- might chuck a used tampon at you, but otherwise charming lasses. Um, but what I really enjoyed with this is that um, it really helped me. As they've got older, I've really dug uh, INS, Inspector Dex, and Esoteric's lyricism. They've got, they're so good with it. They're just so clever with it and the way they play with it. Um, and Esoteric in particular reminds me a lot of, of Abdominal. Uh, just the way that, that his, his lyricism has evolved to talk about, you know, 
being a dad and you know, bringing up his kid. There's a, there's a lovely fucking um, track on this about uh, he's kind of doing a duet with with his young son. And it's actually recordings of his son from quite a while, while ago. I think his son is probably a young teenager now. But basically doing doing his ABCs and running through all the all the fucking Marvel characters essentially. Uh, and I'm not I'm not a comic dude, comic book dude, or a wrestling dude. But I do love the way that these that Azarface uh, just kind of smash all these ridiculous references in as a proxy for that it's kind of a it's almost like a satire of the bullshit gangster rap you know i fucking i've got my mac yeah, 10 I'm gonna, so- but what they're doing instead is kind of like i've i've got a, i've got superpowers and i'm gonna fucking you know take down um black panther or whatever i've always loved that element to it uh, i've got a, a lesser version of that coming up in my list where it's like you, you do appreciate getting away from the the the, the gangster bullshit with some and like grime has this problem as well right mm. where it's like oh i'm a grime artist i've got to talk about the streets man i've got to talk about how fucking hard i am about and, it's like, <laughs> and it's just like yeah but surely you have some other lived experiences and yeah. l- the one i've got later no, is, just night crime. is a very different version of this but it, it, it fulfills the same thing it's like d- different groups of people have different experiences and surely you can write about the experience that you're living not just what the genre expects of you um and yeah they're, they're just really uh, it, it's funny how some of the hip-hop that we still enjoy at this stage is doing that is being able to evolve and sort of get away from the tropes because i think that the, the problem with hip-hop is when it was younger that there was no tropes right everything was everything was fresh and everything was groundbreaking even if you get into the sort of the later waves of it it's still now it just feels like um that we're getting to the point of i don't know like like retreading yeah (laughs) you know um, We've got to the point where so, everything we're now just remixing ourselves, which is what rock yeah. did. You know, now hip hop is just kind of redoing the same the same tropes over and over again. Yeah, it's about you know moving stacks and you know all that kind of shit. How old do I sound? Um, I did love that. that <laughs> yeah, I, I love the lyricism and I love that the the, the production. Um, it's it's not as good as Super Watt, but Super Watt curiously feels like lightning in a bottle. Um, you know, with 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 MF Doom just just on his on his deathbed, essentially. Um, it was yeah. it was good to hear Logic doing a, like a one man Doom tribute act on on the on the track that he guested on on this. Um, but yeah, I enjoy, I enjoyed this. It wasn't it was obviously flawed and it wasn't good enough to be top three album, but um, uh, I felt like it needed a mention. Number four. Okay, so this album when it. When we reviewed it, I was quite negative on it and probably would have said, oh, this is barely going to make my top 20. But fuck it, they just wormed their way into my mind. And this is jungle. Um, and See, I I'm surprised it's only fourth. See, I was, I was kind uh, of expecting it to... Because this is what happens with all jungle albums with you. Is yeah, that, is that you're like, I hate this. And then, then after the first week, you're like, yeah, this is all right. And then about three <laughs> right. weeks, and it's like, this is my album of the year! Well... The, the, the funny thing is, is I, I sort of, you know, I, I, this is my. We're going to see them in February, right? And it's like, well, I have to get my well, head you're around this album now, aren't you? Yeah, like I, I, I sort of have to, and like Vanessa doesn't. She sort of listens to the songs I put on, but she probably doesn't know 
them as well as I do. So we've been playing this album a shitload in the yeah, But she'll just go for months. the event. I mean, you don't have to oh, know yeah, every she... bloody word or every bloody No, no, lip. but but I guess rip. but I guess I was I was trying to, you know, like trying to find an into this album. And yeah, just one day I put it on and I'm singing along with that all the lyrics and having a great time. And I was just like, man, I really fucking like this album now. <laughs> You guys have done it to me again. I, I I would love to know what it is in uh, that I just react so negatively up front to their music and then just just slowly, slowly it just worms its way into my brain because it's not super complicated music. It's it is what it is. Like again, I think it's familiarity. They I really do. do their shit really well. They they do. Um. Uh. So yeah. Uh, I can un- I can understand why, but. I was putting the top five, like, you know, sort of moving things around and crossing things out. And, uh, yeah, you know, and this was one where I was like, I actually just just like it. It's yeah. going in at number three. Four. Four, sorry, four. You better check that. Well, the thing is, yeah, it's, no, no, not four, as, yeah. it's not as good as the last three Jungle albums. But no. it's not, but it doesn't, you don't have to that, chase ghosts. It just has to compete against what is it, what, what it's up against this year. And it is a bit different. Like, it's not exactly the same as the last three of them. And we talked about that when we reviewed it. We were like, oh, this is a lot more sort of disco-y than, and, and a lot more sort of probably faster, I guess, than some of the other ones. Um, but, yeah, uh, I like it. So, that's, that's where it's gone. My number three album of the year is Australia Stops by Coffin, Children of Finland Fighting in Norway, who are a bunch of fucking rat bag hairy ass dickheads from the northern beaches of Sydney uh, who play louder than the play louder than that again um, it is deeper and darker than it appears on first preference because it does it sort of appears to just be roughest guts cosmic psychos powder monkeys fucking hard rock thrash nonsense um, it's it's rough but the more you dig into the lyrics, you think, fuck, these guys actually have some interesting and, and thoughtful things to say. It is a little bit impenetrable, a little bit difficult to fucking dig through. But um, so does Bad Dreams. And um, Bad Dreams got a lot of, a lot of pop uh, for, for doing pretty much the same thing. Uh, but we can't write a riff. So, um, yeah, my preference is definitely Australia Stops by Coffin instead. I've got, I've got a vague memory of this one. Of, of just like... Like, are these the guys that were they're very Scandinavian style, or is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They kind of feel quite a lot like, um, yeah. like some of the some of the scant the Scandi stuff that I that I've uh, I've put in the fucking list before. Uh, but yeah, these yeah, it's like that, but with a um, uh, a young Australian progressive mentality, which is quite interesting. It's interesting, isn't it, how we talk about, like, trip-hop just can't travel. Like, it's just never been able to travel. And yet you've got um, a whole bunch of these rock subgenres that have, you know, come out of, like, that that's Scandinavian sort of, you know, not angry. What's what's it like? You're going at it full tilt is sort of like a... Uh, oh. Yeah, that kind of it's trash hard rock. But the thing is, though, that that is heavily influenced by Australian, by Australian pub rock, like right. um, so like swings and roundabouts. Like like there's a there's a Finnish band called Cosmic Boogie Bo- Boogie Trap, they are, and then they had an album called We're Not Here to Fuck Spiders because they are massively influenced <laughs> by Australian, um, like um, Cosmic Psychos and and. ACDC and bands like that, that kind of horrific, fuck, you know, busted ass pub, 
pub rock and pub punk. That's kind of there. Is, there is definitely a crossflow there. Um, well, yeah, I enjoy these guys. Yeah, like, the, it's like the, the sunniest and the darkest countries just trading back and forth. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, that was the, that was the point of I'm stranded by um, by the Saints was that you know the, we're in Brisbane, the sun's out, but this is a fucking you know a totalitarian yeah. hellhole run by a, a weird <laughs> fucking Cletus dictator, and uh, and you know we might as well be prisoners. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so anyway, Australia stops by coffin because without trucks, Australia stops. Uh, my number three is the inverse of, of the problem I have uh, with a lot of bands, which is the vocals, and that's the kills. And it's just because I think I love her voice. Her voice just, I don't know, it just gets me every single time I listen to that album. Um, and, and, and like her the, the music that they play is cool too, and I actually think this is a pretty cool album. It's very a, a little bit of a departure from some of their earlier stuff. Yeah, um, oh, certainly from their very early stuff. But this this did stuff, feel yeah. like like it picked up where Ash and I left off, and that was that was a yep. long time ago now. I think um, we did that. They did. They're a long way from where. Oh yeah, that was that was we were, we were very big on that. Um, they were a yeah. long way from where they started because where they started was much closer to like the White Stripes, really, and yep. they are a long way from there. Yeah, just uh, there's just so many tracks that I just really enjoy in this album, like New York. Um, One Hundred Three was my favorite. Uh, album, King, album, I think. But this this whole album felt like kind of a rainy sun Sunday come to. It felt like a trip hop album, even though it's not a it's not yeah. musically a trip hop album. It gave the vibe of a trip hop album, which was the Sunday well, come down, break up, fucking misery rolling in the melancholy kind of film. Yeah, if you've ever seen the Bourdain episode where he goes and hangs out with these guys and Jack White and, you know, goes to a house party and then they rock up to a bowling centre, I think, the next day and have, like, a, you know, an alcohol-fuelled recovery breakfast. Oh, no, Jack White has a bowling alley in his studio. Oh, right. Yeah, in, in his third man... I think his third, is it third man studios? The, the one he has in, in, Nash, in Nashville, I think, or was it Memphis? Yeah. The, the oh, one was built in an old upholsterer's because that was Jack White's um, original train, was he was an upholsterer before he became a rock and roll dude. I can see these guys having a lot of melancholy hungover breakfasts together where they could write yeah. some songs on a rainy morning so and no one wants to talk to each sense. other because of the shit that they said to each other the previous night kind of thing yeah yeah um but her voice man her voice is just ah oh, just it gets me every time this is another um, album where it's hard to pick out individual tracks but the, the overall vibe the overall fucking the marbo of it um uh, kind of carries the day and I, and I think a little bit like Ash and Ice, this is an album that, I, like, I was going back through our top fives and thinking, you know, how many of these albums do I really go back and revisit and how many of them are like, I really enjoyed that album in the year and I think it's a great album, but I don't really think about it that much afterwards. You know, I'll go back and listen to it, but it's not something, not like that Troy Kingy album or even the Aaron Fraser album. It's one that I throw on quite a bit. Uh, Black Mountain's another one that I throw on quite a bit, and I think this is one that I will throw on quite a bit because I just, it, I just find it so enjoyable. Yeah, it's a good question of how many of these albums will you actually go back to, or how many, in, in how many years you're going to look back at your top five and you go, oh shit, I haven't heard that in years, mm. um, which is always always a bad sign. So, so some of them are, are like, you know, 
Bob Villain's not something I can listen to in the car when the kids are in there. I don't as think I've listened to that album again this year, but I do yeah. know that it's it's a fucking brilliant album. So but yeah, it's like mm. I don't need I don't need to listen to that to know how great it is, kind of thing. And I feel a bit a little bit less jealous about that now that I actually went and purchased it, you know, on, off off of the internet rather than. You know, we actually went back on sort of Bandcamp Monday kind of thing, and is it Bandcamp Monday, Friday, whatever the day is where the the acts actually get all the money rather than the intermediaries, and have bought that and the Bobby Lee's album and a whole lot of the other albums that that, that have been really great uh, over the last year or yeah. over the last seven years of this podcast to make sure that the the acts involved actually get some some fucking coin in their in their jar rather than you know the pittance that they get from streaming. I think this is probably the best. Well, no, it is the best. It's the best legacy act this year because their first album was 2003. So they've been around for I don't count a legacy act unless they were around in the 90s. Okay, fair enough. What's your number two? My number two album of the year is Set Your Pussy Free by No Bro. Okay, well, that's that's my number one. So (laughs) there we go. I was hoping you wouldn't, that if that was true, that you wouldn't say that because then you, Uh, you, then you could just, you could fucking. Death ride me for picking this, and then just say, "By the way, my number one is set your pussy I just free." Don't think, I just don't think you can uh, you can argue with it. It's like uh, I was going. I was, it's just a banging, fun power pop indie punk album. It's fun as hell. It's clever. It's it's wry. It's sarcastic. Uh, it's dedicated to drugs and stupidity, but it understands the whole but the downfall of it. Um, it, it understands how fucked the world is. But it, it just—it's just such a perfectly pitched fucking comment on the state of the world, uh, as well as as not just being stuck in a particular power punk or, or kind of feel. They jump between little genres, and the whole thing works fantastically. If Triple J was still a was still a, a going concern, it's a pity that they closed that radio station ten years ago. But uh, this this stuff should be let's do drugs should be the hottest one hundred number one of this year. Instead, it'll be some fucking tedious bullshit from uh, from Ocean Alley, uh, while that cunt shoplifts in Queenstown. Look, the the thing with this album, right? And and you sort of nailed it with the like th- this could just be a really fun, silly, uh, punk album. But the way the sarcasm and the way that they lace, like if you actually listen to this album, a lot of the stuff that you think is just a silly song, like drugs, drugs, drugs. You know, it's like. But then they have a lyric of, you know, go on, mate, sell, sell it, your mum won't notice. And it's like, man, that's fucking bleak. You're, you're, you're basically telling your best mate to go and sell his mum's jewellery so you guys can get, get another hit. Like, I think you've misunderstood that point. I think, really? I, I think, no, that was, we're going to steal your mum's fucking, um, tr- uh, your mum's tranquilizers. Your, your mum won't notice that it's gone, and if she, oh, your mum's won't notice, right? But if you if you do, she thinks she counted wrong. It's basically I'm going to nick your mum's drugs. The whole thing is let's find any drugs we can find. Was it? I got some. I got some acid and some Tylenol three. You know, it's yeah. like literally anything you can get hold of. Like, like I've got a guy at work who'll sell me weed. You know, it's just it, <laughs> it's got that that fiddler sort of um, nihilism. Yeah, nihilism's the word I was reaching for. Yeah, that. It, it's kind of it, it's the joyous nihilism of it. it's like everything is absolutely yeah. fucked. Let's get fucked as well. And it's just, but but then the, the the songs just to listen to are so much fucking fun. But you, you say about bleak. I mean, it's like that. Um, 
Where's my girls at? The song about you know going out and starting a band because you didn't want to just be another another ex girlfriend of some guy who was in a band, and they go and, and they're selling selling t- shirts out of a out of a garbage bag, twenty bucks more for the one that's on yep. my back. Bucks for for the one that's yeah. But it's like there's always some sleazy guy who wants the fucking sweat. They're the sweaty band girl, you know. Yep. It's like oh. that, that actually might that lyric always makes my skin crawl a bit. Like Jesus, dudes are wrong, aren't they? They just yeah, it's they like need to be hit with that, a stick, put in a bag and uh, hit with a stick. It's just laced with that awareness of the world, yeah. I guess the, the 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 darker, seedier side of the world. And like you know, they're, they're a little bit like a really good comedian. They're turning it in, everything into a joke. They're turning yeah. everything into a lyric, but it's there if you look for it. It gets you get yeah. more traction with it when you do that, rather than making it a diatribe or a Twitter thread. You make it into a line in a song, and people fucking remember it. Yeah, this is just cracking up. I just, I just loved it a bit. So, all right. Well, you go your number one, and then I'll go my number two. Well, my number one, it, it, it took the greatest fucking legacy comeback in the history of of re- recorded time to knock off No Bro, and that was the death of Randy Fitzsimmons by the Hives, which is the best Hives album ever made, which I was not expecting from a bunch of forty-five-year-olds. I, I think I would put it as my first honourable mention yeah I've always loved I've always been a huge fan of the Hives and they are probably one of the best live bands I've ever seen I saw them in at the heat of a Gold Coast big day out where they're wearing the full fucking ties and suits and all the rest of it 35 degrees and they are committed to the bit I've never seen a live band more committed to the bit right up to the point where you've got fucking um, Pella who's this Mick Jaggerian fucking front man who is just preening and, and peacocking around and just hilariously dedicated to the whole thing and they just did it brilliantly like this has got all of the best stuff that they've the best kind every kind of song that the hives do has has a corollary on this album that is the best version of that um the only thing i can compare it to is your new favorite band which was the album that was the biggest thing that they had when they they got big in the early 2000s that was a fucking greatest hits so, in terms of an album end to end, this is the new gold standard for me in terms of late career legacy albums. Nobody who was good in the 90s has done anything this good uh, in 2023. Um, it's all baggers from the thrash of Trapdoor Solution to the very stonesy and swagger of Crash Into The Weekend. I cannot listen to fucking Crash Into The Weekend without just absolutely getting into it. It's, it's absolutely my shit. Um, so, I, I just love the hell out of this album. This, this is one that, I'm, that I will keep playing until they make another one, and I don't think they will. I think this is the end of them. Yeah, so do you think it's just the, uh, like, that they've been saving the creativity up? Like, what, what do you think it is that's that's lent them to being able to, to drop something like this so late in their career? I think this is their one last, like, we had to come back uh, and do it one last time, because it has been, it's like... Last year's Warriors Championship. It's fucking, it might be 11 years since their last album. It's a long time since their last album, and yeah. they just they just went and, and they are they're literally our age, like they are they're forty five, forty six, you know. And I'm not going to pretend that doesn't factor into it. That it's <laughs> it's like the dudes my age could go out and do this. That's fucking awesome. I, I, you know, I, yeah, I feel great about that. It's like watching, uh, you know, back when I used to enjoy tennis, like late career Agassi, you know, bald head. Some shuffling around the court, but just absolutely ripping one out. You just go, oh yeah, the old guy still got it. <laughs> well, 
most of the end of the last 10 years of Valentino Rossi's career uh, on, in MotoGP was like that because he's a 79 kid. Um, yeah. You think, you know, we're all in this together, brother. But, um, <laughs> but, but even if you set that aside, you say, okay, we'll flip the order. This came out in 2001. This is the best, this is still the best hybrid album they ever made. It's better than Vinny Vinny yeah. Dishes, um, which was a tremendous album, but it was a little bit one dimensional. It was all thrashes. Um, with one weird kind of slow slow number. Um, this has more light and shade. I mean, at one point, he's doing a little kind of either hat tip or piss take of, of the Arctic Monkeys lounge act kind of um, phase. You know, that kind of, that Alex Turner kind of crooning like he's a fucking, he's, he's in Vegas, he's Dean Martin. Um, they have one track that sort of take, that, that, that either echoes or takes the piss out of that. They're doing straight stones. They're doing straight fucking um, punk rock. So um, yeah, this is this is definitely one of those albums that is going to outlive 2023. It will still be getting played a lot uh, into 24, 25, or at least until they do another one of these. If they do another one of these, um, great pick. Yeah, I think that's one that slightly out of my. Uh, no, no, not that much out of my wheelhouse anymore. I guess, but. Still, just such an enjoyable listen. Yeah, um, and, and, and you like don't said, quite have the nostalgia thing where <laughs> no, where, where it's, no. It's, it's as important to you as, as it, it'd as be the, like. It's a bit like that like ACDC like pick a few years ago. Whereas, like yeah, the fact that like it's like these it's, guys that did this album is what makes the difference. If Salmonella Dub brought out like another Inside yeah. the Dub plates this year, which you know they're still making music and it's not the same as what it used to be but like if they just ripped out another classic dub album I, I would I would completely understand where you're coming from yep. um, so what is your no, what is my, your number one plus one of the year <laughs> we've really <laughs> fucked up the flow of this haven't we oh no I think, I think that's that's a good way look the, and this is it's probably it fitting for 2023 well the year of, of, of you know, not, not quite number ones well uh, the, it's actually good that this is sort of last because I'm, I'm struggling to frame how I'm going to explain why this is my number two album of the year. Um, and I, I guess I want to talk about my sort of quest and what I've been missing looking for a good dance album, like dance music album. And I think dance music is a little bit like um, what indie rock has become to Triple J in that the, all the things I liked about indie rock, you know, the custards and... And that sort of phase of music yeah, the, the has been the quirkiness, the sarcasm, the the kind of the self, the, refer, the kind of the the lack of pretense, but also you know the stuff that works for pop riffs and shit. Uh, yeah, the, the, uh, the stuff that we love from '90s Triple J, um, and that's sort of all been washed out, right? You sort of have this pale version, and like I li- I listen to electronic music, and I, it comes up on my. Um, release radar and stuff and you know people are like oh this is such a banger you know this fucking this this song rocks i'm like ah, it's just a bit fucking one you, you know it's a bit one tone right this, it's is, just, this is like one element of a song that the chemical brothers would have done in 1995 they would have, bi- they would think, have built half a song off, off this of this fucking loop and what i think i really miss is the drop you know when you when you go and good see good live electronic music you know, you, you, you're tooling along quite nicely and then, you know, there's a pause or a little, you know, they bring it back and then they just drop that beat and you're just like, oh, my fucking God, my head's going to explode. And I've just that's had a why horrible I, thought. You know, you know what the album's going to be. No, BJ. No, you can't do that. 
No. I am going to do it. No, you yes. can't, I can't let yeah. you do this. It's yeah. a bad album. I'm, it's a bad no, fucking photocopy of what they used to be good at. Good no. Lord, man. Oh, no. What are you doing no, to yourself? No. no, it's not the Chemical Brothers. Oh, thank God. <laughs> no, it's not the Chemical Brothers. It's Chasing Status, two, two rough volume one. This fucking album is really, really good. I, I, like, I listened to it the first time and I went, oh, this is not really for me. And then I listened to it on headphones and it's like, you guys know, you, you understand the principles of electronic music. You understand what you have to do to get a crowd moving. And I still don't necessarily think this album's for me, but I appreciate what they're doing. And, and it comes back to that, um, that lyric thing that we were talking about before. Whereas the lyrics in this are really dumb, right? They're really fucking dumb. But they're actually aimed at the people that are going to watch the music. Like the song about the guy that, you know, his girlfriend thinks he's cheating on him. He's like, no, man, I'm, I'm just going out to shows and, and getting wasted and, and you know, dancing around and being a dickhead. Like, I'm, I'm not cheating on you. It's I'm like peak 1999 fun. fucking uh, big beat club music. These guys, so this was another one of our Bring Out Your Dead uh, yeah. along with, along with um, Zarface. Uh, I have them in my notes as Jason Statham, uh, which is... <laughs> The beekeeper. Um, but it, what I, the note I had here is feels closer to the long tradition of UK MC slash DJ combos. Uh, and yeah. there, there is a, there's a, there's a, there's a riff in here that made me think so much of Bomb Funk MCs with Freestyler. Yeah. With the Freestyler. Yes. It, it was like, and it's that kind of vibe, that kind of late 90s, early aughts. I don't know, Groove Armada, that era. It's not it's not Chemical Brothers, but it's it's maybe possibly the more it's, it's mainstream like, festival like yaks. It's like a more aggressive Groove Armada. That's that's probably well, yeah, right. Probably, like, but but more like Bomb Funk MCs or yeah. I'm trying to think of the other the other ones that that, that uh, the other acts that they're off of them they weren't you know, they'd only have individual fucking um, you know, one off hits and things. Yeah. But yeah, it, this was a um, this was an interesting lesson. Um, and I can see what they were doing this, and I approved of it in general terms. The other thing with this is, like, I, I listen to, like, a I listen to a lot of sort of electronic dance music and none of it sticks in your head, right? And that's what that's another thing that mm. I think you got to have. you got to have that you got to have that beat that sort of sticks in your head. And this stuff is just sticks in my head. I, I could not tell you which song it is, but I walk around going, bom, 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 you know, like, just... just. Do you know why like it sticks repeating. in your head? Because it reminds yeah. you of shit you listened to in 1999. Yeah, so basically probably. it's just like the hives for me. Yeah. That, we are pathetic. Like, we have turned into the cliches that we, we always said we wouldn't. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just... I went, two weeks ago, before I went to Tassie, I just would not have... I, I was sort of like, I really like this album. I thought it was really cool. And I was like, I just don't think it'll be in my top ten. I just don't... I don't know whether it's... You know, has enough props on it. And then the more I listened to it, the more I appreciated what they were doing. Like, they're a little bit uh, cartoonish. And I guess that's the other thing, is I've seen them on Instagram a lot. Um, they're sort of like... That that club scene has a certain sort of vibe, and there's a there's they're set on um, at the boiler room is on YouTube, and I actually went back and watched it, and he, he really knows how to work a crowd. He knows what he's doing. He knows he Give knows the people how what to, they fucking want. Yeah, bring them up, pull them down, and then just drop that big fucking baseline. It's it's really skills. it's a really the cool old album. fucking yeah. skills. 
and, and old artisanal fucking craftsman craftsmanship of the nineties still works. And th- this should not be the number two album, right? Because there should be ten of these, but there's not, and that's why this is my number two. Is because this stuff just doesn't happen anymore. Like there's hundreds of electronic albums that get released that have, you know, big props and people talk about these great artists and and it's it's just milk toast bullshit and this actually has a heartbeat to it um hashtag milk toast bullshit that's uh, one of ours yeah um all right was, was there anything else in the bring out your deads that you wanted to comment on we, we there was an andy cooper in there uh which was, an andy, was andy, andy, which was an andy cooper album andy cooper album yeah well yeah. the thing is i noticed there was actually two of them he actually did two of them uh released at the same time um, he can roll these out in his sleep, two a year, no drama, reliable as an 80s Volvo. Generally generally worth your time. Are these corny dad, rap, dad raps? Does the Pope shoot in the woods? Of course. Um, this, he just loves to record, I think. That's the thing with him. He does. And what's interesting is that um, the bird who was dude, who did, did the solo album with him, Marietta Smith, is a co-writer on everything and is doing the backing vocals, so they're fucking. Um <laughs> I find that, he, that it, it works a little bit better when he does the raps and she does the backing vocals, and that's not just because men should be in the front and women should be at the back. It's just that it doesn't quite feel like the cool, Kool-Aid man effect where she's singing this night soul song and yeah, he comes bursting through the wall and goes, my name's Andy Cooper and I'm here to see. You know, that, that kind of shit doesn't too, work. It's a bit too Roger yeah. Rabbit, isn't it? It's a little bit, yeah. He's like, two bits. Yeah, that's not really going to work. Um, yeah. Basically, wait five minutes and Andy Cooper will release another EP. And he's probably released another one since. Um, yeah, he, he's the uh, hip-hop version of um, psychedelic porn crumpets. Yeah, yeah. Cannot, cannot be stopped. Uh, what else did we have? Um, Captain Monk did an album. That was quite good. It was kind of weird. Uh, the first track sounded like Was Not Was. Uh, <laughs> the second track sounded like Ty Siegel. Um, lots of interesting stuff. But, you know, if Mike Patton can do this shit, so why can't anybody? We talked about Jason Statham, the beekeeper. The funny thing about Jason Statham is that I always thought The Beekeeper, the movie, was a joke that t- Tony Martin came up with for his podcast. It turns out it's real, and now I don't know who to, what to believe. Helmet did an album that was very helmety, which I suppose is, is, a, is an achievement in itself. Um, the Grogans, I kind of liked the thing that they did. There was kind of uh, 60s surf rock. The folkier stuff didn't really work, but, um, you yeah, know, whatever. What would you make of that golf rap album? Nah. Yeah, it's just it, it, it was the same as uh, the DJ Shadow album this year, where it's just like w- whatever it was that was um, making your stuff work is not working here. <laughs> well, this was her first ever solo album, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Like she'd never worked. And it is sticky, sweet synth pop. I thought it was reasonably well done, but it didn't really engage with me. The only thing that the, the sentiment I went away from, I went away from this with, was Kylie Minogue should have got. Alison Goldtrap to write her album because it would have been better yeah. if, if this yeah. had been the Kylie Minogue album it would have been so much better than that bucket of shit that um, that Adam made us listen to it was, you know you made it listen, you made us listen to it and then you weren't even on the episode you fucking prick <laughs> sounds like something I'd do yeah um, what else there, um, in terms of other bits that we missed there was a Rocket Science album last year it was fine um I went and listened to the Caroline Polachek album because that was the other big pop album that kept turning up in people's end of year lists. Um, and it wasn't that good. But what's interesting is that the, the producer who co-wrote, who wrote a lot of the stuff on that, is also the, per, the dude who collaborates with Olivia Rodrigo, 
So he's he's basically his name's Daniel Negro, and he's presumably the new fucking Max Martin because he's um he seems to be collaborating on all, all the new trendy fucking pop albums. That that seems to be the consensus album of the year, right? That Olivia Rodrigo. Album. Well, it's it's I would say that's my surprise of the year. I was not expecting that to be any good, and it was there were bits of it that I genuinely thought I really fucking like that. If that had been Released in 1994, um, it could have been, you know, if that had been what she did, she could have been Veruca Salt. And, you know, and she's aping a style that she wasn't old enough to be around for in the first place, but she's landed a pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah, the album of the year, like I just flicking back through the, the Pitchfork one and the Guardian one, um... We seem to get further and further away from them every no, year. No, there's always a few that we cross over with, but we listen yeah. to so much Australian-specific stuff. Um, like my my top my, my top ten that are not my top five, if you like, are things like Private it, Function. A crossover. Well, I, I really like that Private Function album, and that's the kind of Private Function remind me of the sort of band that that, that they are a '90s Triple J band stuck in in the 2020s because they are constantly just wanting to take the piss. Just be a, a take the piss fucking punk rock band, and it doesn't. You know, it's it's harder to be that in modern um in 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 the modern world. Uh, the problem is that they they would have been in my top five except that they did a cover of Coldplay's Yellow, which was unironic. It just seemed to be a direct cover, and that's a crime that cannot be forgiven. Jesus, the Guardian had Blur as their number eight album. That was, that a bad was album. not a good album. That is just that was not good. We are we are fucking washed your nexus. But it was bad. It was fucking bad. It was no good. There were better bands from the 90s who came back and did, did stuff. Actually, it was mm. bad year for Damon Albarn because there was a shit Gorillaz album too, wasn't there? Yeah. <laughs> shit Gorillaz. <laughs> Gorillaz in the shit. Um, uh, the uh, top tens are um, Frankie and the Witch Fingers, Data Doom, Killer Kin's debut. I like, I like that album. That was a good album. Uh, Frankie. Yeah. Yeah, that was, that was really, it was really hard to not put in the top five. Again, this was a, but uh, and, and that's not just because we have to keep up our pretense of being the most witch forward band, witch band friendly <laughs> music podcast on the internet. But that was a really, really good album, and it was a real, it was a real prick to, um, to, to squeeze out of the five. Uh, Kelly Ken, Decent Death Rays, which was which is my Spotify wrapped album of the year. Um, it was good, but it wasn't quite that good. And then and pigs, 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 pigs. <laughs> Um, who did a, probably my favourite metal album of the year. I originally thought that was going to be Metallica's 72 Seasons, but when I went back and listened to it, there wasn't nearly enough thrash on there and there was a bit too much kind of post-load dirge, if you know what I mean, with Metallica. That kind of chunky, lumbering fucking shit that they've, that they've done from the 90s onwards. Any other highlights you want to pick out of your... Um, uh, like we've sort of covered the, the hives and Frankie and the Witch. I didn't mind that Tiger cover album. I thought that Tiger cover album was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, that, that was a that was that was that was in there with the um, with D-Mob Happy and things like that. I do prefer the D-Mob Happy just because I, I, I admired the the scope of what they were trying to pull off, even if they didn't perhaps they didn't land it. And then I sort of had a bunch of albums that weren't really good enough to to get into the top five, but I quite enjoyed, which was Westing. Yep, that's uh, in my top my Hello, top part. Hello Mary. Yep, that's in my top twenty. Uh, the black, the, the black honey album, I thought was pretty good. Um, and Ghost Woman was the only other one. Yeah, Ghost Woman's also in my top uh, top quartile. We'll call it because uh, yeah, we. Where, where, where did you where did you settle on with the Royal Blood album? 
Oh, I actually re-listened to it and I went further down the list. Uh, I've got I've got it top thirty, <laughs> so okay. it's in the top third. Uh, but yeah, you know, it didn't. It's down there with the Queens of the Stone Age album, which is like, you know, guys, no, you haven't really, you haven't even captured what you, you haven't even redone what you started with. You've gone backwards from where you started from, so that's no good. Yeah. Um, okay, that was 2023. It fucking was, um, eh? So, so our consensus number one album is clearly um, No Bro. No Bro, yeah. And uh, your favourite album, and mine probably- is No Bro, and my favourite album of yours is... <sighs> I'm not well, really no sure. Bro. I have to have a think about that. Hey, no, I picked No Bro. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my favourite no, album no. that you picked. Oh, I'll, I'll well, pick, I'll forget. Oh, I right, right. Uh, like we picked for the for the yeah for the week. Um, no, I would say not many because I didn't have a great year of picking. <laughs> no, I'm looking I'm looking at the list. I'm thinking, Jesus. Uh, bass drummer death. That was in my top twenty. So there we are. There's one. Yeah. Um, technically, you picked Olivia Jean's album. Uh, Raven Ghost and that was in my top 20 as well so there we are as yeah, I said, there, was, there were 30 albums that could have made the top 20 so that's all good and, and actually no you you told me that the Zarface album was out so technically that's your pick so there you are you got my number <laughs> four um, alright so we wind it up and do it all again we do now for next week do we want to go straight back into new albums or do we want to do the uh, project we were talking about Will yeah we I think draft- we should do that I think we should do the project that we were talking about because I think that'll be a lot of fun. I think it would be cool. The only thing I'm wondering about is we were talking about drafting all the albums that were released in 93. I was wondering whether it might be better to do 94 just because 94 is 30 years, whereas 93 is is, is 31 years now. And also 94 kind of fits because we were both, you know, getting to the end of high school and, and, you know... I think that's that's a really interesting point for for um, but ninety three would have been great. But most of those albums I wouldn't have listened to in ninety three. Whereas ninety four, we're getting at the point where I was actually starting to get these albums in periods. Uh, so for me, it was a, an interesting cusp point. Combination of albums that I listened to at the time and albums I discovered maybe a bit later in the nineties. And I came back to. It. I I think to ninety four, we're starting to see a little bit more uh, beats late and music come through. And so, for us, know, more it, Triple J because Triple J went national in '94. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it just might be, it, and it obviously, but more to the point, it's it's 30 years, so it kind of works out better. Um, so yeah. So what we're going to do next year, next week, is we're going to draft our favourite albums from 1994. Um, and um, yes, that's the price. Five each. Five each. Let's go ten. Ten. All righty. Ten. Let the sniping begin. Well, I have to figure out which ones you're definitely not going to pick and make sure I don't take them early. Um, See, that's a that's the, that's the thing, right? There is a there is an art to drafting because it's not just about pick your ten favorite yeah. albums. You've also you've also got to consider what the other person might pick. Um, and how? Well, well, if it was ninety three, we know I know not to pick, I know I don't need to worry about drafting in in utero because you're not going to pick it because it's a bucket of shit. Yeah. But yeah. yeah ninety four though, so we'll have to go back and figure out exactly what's what. So that's um. Good times, and then we'll um, by the week after next. We'll um, there'll be plenty of new albums out floating in the ether, and we'll be able to restart our uh, pursuit of the next of this year's uh, best album of the year. Yep. All right, Doc. Thank you very much for that. I thank will you. Catch you on the flip side, and uh, enjoy as always, and uh, enjoy yourselves, folks. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.
I was like, oh man, you really hated that Chase and Status album. And then I was like, oh no, I'm definitely not picking Chemical Brothers that album. Shit. I did go back and listen to it. It's, it's, it's I did, the I living didn't know, I didn't think of the Chase and Status album, but I, I knew you probably weren't picking the, the Chemical Brothers album. But I thought I'd lean in a bit just to make sure that, that just in case you'd had picked the Chemical Brothers, that it worked, that the, the, the comedy worked. Um, yeah, I, I thought, oh, I wonder whether that's going to be a jungle right? I go back and it's actually, nope, nope, no, it's the, no, it's, it's no the, good. It's the further embodiment of that Formula One song that they did. It's just, let's just play, let's, let's see how bad a song we can make with the structure of a good song. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of stuff that I re- like I had in my long list, and I went back and re-listened to, and just sort of went, uh, yeah, it's just not, it's just missing something. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff I went back and listened to when I liked. The only song I went back and the only album I went back and in my long list that I went to re-listen to when I went, I pulled the pin halfway through was the was the Bad Dreams album because I thought, oh, you know, this is interesting. He's he's really got things to say, and I'm like, no, he's just a dribbling fuckwit. And funny, listen to a dribbling fuckwit. I listen to Coffin because. If, that, that kind of mad alco out the front of the bottle shop kind of um, poetry that your man from Bad Dreams runs with. Coffin do as well, and they've got riffs, so, you know, that's yep. kind of my theory. I only say All this right. because somebody, uh, I think it was Anthony, said that that was his, one of his album, top three albums of the year, and I just don't I just don't see it. I just don't have it from them, but uh, anyway. Cool, cool. All right. All right. I will hopefully be back on, on schedule, but... Um Yep, I'll talk to you next week. All right then, catch you next weekend. Cool, see you, man.